Join us for an upcoming AMSA event to enhance your professional development by engaging with experts, clinicians, and researchers in topics that are not well covered in your medical education. Spend time with Patch Adams at AMSA's Pre-Med Fest on January 30th and join us for AMSA's annual convention from March 31st through April 2nd. For more information, visit amsa.org events. Welcome to AMSA AdLib. I'm Christine and I'm here with Allison Case. Allison, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing good. How about yourself? Thanks for having me. Great, I'm doing really well, thank you. Uh, we're so excited to have you here today. Allison is AMSA's Education and Advocacy Fellow, and we have the rare opportunity to sit down with her today. She's been out on the road for a few weeks here, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about what you've been up to? Sure thing, so thanks a lot, Christine. I have been on the road a lot, and I've been doing a lot of advocacy work, a little bit of residency interviews in there as well, but a large part of what I get to do this year as the Education and Advocacy Fellow is to increase activism and advocacy opportunities for our members. So not all of our members realize that we have a long history as kind of, you know, a rabble, rabble rousers in medicine as activists. AMSA actually used to be a part of the AMA, but we cut ties in 1967 around issues such as the Civil Rights Movement, Universal Health Care, and the Vietnam War. So these were issues that the students found to be important, socioeconomic issues that affect healthcare, but they didn't see the leadership of the organization that they were a part of taking a stand on that. So they decided that this was important to them and they were going to split off. Um, so we do have our roots firmly in activist beginnings and that's a lot of what we're about as the voice of um, medicine's future and as the largest independent organization of physicians in training. Students tend to have progressive views that go on to shape the conversation and make real change, and that's something we're really proud to be a part of at AMSA. Uh, so as I mentioned, all this year, as part of my position, which is very, very fun and exciting, uh, is to revamp our activist efforts across the country. In September, I had the chance to hit the road and head out to Midwest and visit our chapters there and work on advocacy skill building and experiences with our members directly. So I wanted to take the time to share that with all of you and um, hope that you will have an idea of some of the awesome work that's going on with our AMSA members and chapters across the country. I started out from Sterling, heading across the Appalachians and through the corn. I'm from the Midwest, full disclosure, so I've heard all the corn jokes, the flyover states. I get it. Uh, it's a long trip, on so you've got to make some stops. I'm in Maryland right now at a, a stop. So, you know, you got to pick up the most important aspect of your travel which is the Twizzlers so yeah so we got those now we got the Twizzlers we got the coffee we're good to go I think I'm about seven hours out yes you heard me reference a little earlier on the first stop on my journey which was Chicago where I was headed for a rally outside the offices of Illinois senators Durbin and Kirk who we were targeting to help restore funds for the president's emergency plan for AIDS relief or PEPFAR which is something we're actually still working on so once I get there to Chicago it's nighttime and I was looking for the med school building because the plan was to meet the night before the rally to make a prop that we would use um, for, for the demonstration and that we had mentioned strategically in our press release to try and get more media attention. Uh, and that prop was a giant milk carton. So uh, I really went to great lengths actually to find a refrigerator box that was big enough to accommodate a human so that we could make this happen. But the idea was that Durbin and Kirk were missing in the fight against AIDS. And so we made a giant milk carton that had their faces on the side and we were gonna use that as part of our uh, prop for the demonstration. 
Senator Sturban and Kirk have been champions in the past around AIDS funding. We hadn't heard from them in a while. We have been reaching out and reaching out over the summer, trying to get answers from them and their staff um, to get this really essential AIDS funding covered that had been cut over the years. Um, and that's why we were uh, had decided to take it to the next level and work on a demonstration so we could raise our voices directly in person at their offices. We met up, uh, we made the milk curtain, we dispersed and then gathered the next day in the square, which was right outside the senator's offices there in Chicago. There's a fair amount of people milling about. The weather was pretty good, which we were happy about because we really thought it might rain um, and that would not be fun. And uh, we also really questioned the solvency of the milk carton itself. But it turned out fine and people started to arrive we had four or five students in white coats, a few others who were not medical students that were joining together with us. They were from Partners in Health Engage, another one of our partner organizations that we work with. Um, and we were also working with the AIDS Foundation Chicago. Uh, one reporter that had picked up our press release came out. And what we were really happiest about for the whole demo is that some staff from Senator Durbin and Kirk's office came down uh, to talk with us and they also presented statements from the senators. Uh, it was great to have them there. The statements themselves were not great. Um, they were supportive, but didn't address the ask that we had to get that $300 million restored. But it's all about small actions leading up uh, slowly to making change. So we know that that was a big step. So we were chanting, we marched around the square. What we really did was raise awareness. So people stopped and asked what we were, what we were about, um, we were able to deliver our message to the staffers, and that's really what it's about, is getting to the people with power and letting them know that you mean business and that your voice matters. And the reason that the staff came down to this is that they care about your voice as constituents, but also particularly as future healthcare professionals. So particularly in our role as AMSA, we have an important voice. And our opinions on medical issues are trusted, are valued, and uh, it's even more important for us to use our voice to make change. Your name and uh, like what brought you uh, here and, and it impacts and students what your too. experience was like. Um, my name is Lewis. I'm a pre-med post-bac program and I really wanted to know what AMSA is all about. So I came out here um, just to figure out what it was about and uh, um, it turns out that doctors are not just uh, sitting in their offices prescribing medicine but they're also out here um, advocating and being activists for people in need, not just um, by, they don't just help uh, people by with um, prescribing medicine but they also uh, fight for change so I thought that was really important that was awesome to see. Is this your first experience at a rally and and what did you think? It It is it, it was my first experience and um, I love the energy I loved everybody just um, fighting for that change I loved um, the efforts you guys made into the giant milk carton it was I thought it was awesome um, I love partaking in it too. It wasn't just me standing here watching everybody, but being, me being a part of it too was was pretty um, life changing actually. It's oh. great when students cool. are That's positively really impacted by the experience and are themselves making change. Back on the road, from Chicago I made my way to Iowa, and in Iowa I met with a chapter in Des Moines, Des Moines University. Great students, very eager to get involved. Uh, we had a training session there on an activist strategy called bird dogging. So bird dogging is where you get a commitment from an official in a public forum. And we use it a lot on the campaign trail, which is part of the reason we were doing this training in Iowa. The three states that are most important for this training right now are 
the first three primary states, so Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina. Um, but it's an amazing time to get commitments and make real strides in movements because you can leverage these campaign promises, whether it's between candidates to impact ongoing congressional processes, whether it's the budget or other legislation. And you can use the commitments that are made on the campaign trail when the candidate makes it into office. So it's been used with much success by AIDS activists for many campaigns and many wins. And we're still using it today to try and accomplish a number of asks, which we've written out in a presidential platform that we've come up with, with our partner organizations, so Health Gap and Partners in Health Engage that I mentioned earlier, also results. And it includes things like doubling the number of people on HIV AIDS treatment supported by the U.S. by 2020, which uh, is in line with uh, a greater goal of getting 30 million people on treatment by 2020 globally, uh, among other things. So it's a great strategy, bird dogging. And there are ways as part of the strategy that you discuss how you formulate your question when you go into one of these campaign events, how you strategically place yourself at the events itself, how to follow up. There's a lot of small steps that add up to the actual change. And the thing is, in these early primary states, that you're face-to-face, -face, shaking hands, rubbing shoulders, sometimes literally in crowds of rabid Trump supporters with the candidates and with the people in power. So it's an outstanding opportunity to make your voice heard directly that we don't often get in other situations. So after the training in Des Moines, uh, that following weekend, we headed to some campaign events in Ames, Iowa. So it's a, the event itself is at a tailgate, a really big, I mean, huge tailgate. So multiple lots, seems like miles long, very, very big. It's uh, the big Iowa rivalry game. So Iowa University versus Iowa State University. And the Republicans have set up a tent where a number of candidates are gonna make appearances. So Rand Paul was coming, Scott Walker, who is now out of the race, but at that time was still involved. Marco Rubio, Donald Trump. Um, so we're all waiting for these candidates to show up. It's really hot. We're standing in crowds. And we've made our way strategically to the front of this area, this tent where they're having the candidates speak. We get some good questions, uh, especially as the candidates are walking out of the event. So we got the chance to speak with Scott Walker, Marco Rubio. <clears throat> we record the answers to those questions, which is really important because, of course, we're trying to get these commitments on tape. And we're trying to uh, make sure that activists around the country know that we've got these commitments so they can hold the candidates to them at the next event. Well, I've committed to fully funding into the numbers necessary to have a great we had heard from, I mentioned Walker and Rubio, but the last person we waited on and waited on, and the person many people were waiting on, was Trump. So Trump doesn't show. He's late, like 40 minutes late. And people start to chatter, and they're getting tired. They've been standing for a long time. And it turns out that Trump blew it off. So he's in the stadium. He's not coming. He's not going to come to speak with the crowd. Uh, people were very distraught. There's some audible sighs. People are really very sad about this. People have been waiting and standing for over an hour anticipating him, but he's not coming. So people start to disperse. And I head back with our, with our AMSA and Student Global AIDS Campaign activists. It's a tailgate, so not all is lost. There's much fun to be had. Uh, we can hang around and be happy. We got some real commitments from the other candidates, especially Marco Rubio, who we know is our, is, has been an AIDS champion in the past. But eventually I have to leave because I've got a haul ahead of me to get back to the eastern Midwest for the rest of my trip. Uh, so I leave the crew and I start to notice black SUVs rolling by slowly in the crowd. And then not too far after them, I, I see these little journalists bopping up and down as they're jogging by. 
and I think, oh man, he's here. So I start jogging too, and it's true, he's coming out of the stadium, and I, I end up there just in time, I'm right up by him, I'm right up by his bodyguard, and people are crowding around. People go nuts over this guy. Um, and, you know, they're, they're crowding us in, they're pushing us up against his bodyguards. And then I start to realize that we're moving. So the whole mass of people is moving. Trump is trying to exit the area, and the whole crowd is just exiting with him. And it's a giant mass, and I realize I'm pinned to his bodyguard, and I'm not really sure how I feel about it. I'm pretty uncomfortable. I, I'm not sure if that's where I want to be. But then I realize it's actually the perfect place to be, because as soon as Trump stops for a moment, I'll be in the right spot to ask a question. So I keep riding it. I ride the Trump person wave until he does get stopped, and I finally get a chance to talk to him. You're on record as saying PEPFAR is one of the best things that the health U.S. has done. Will you commit to doubling the number of people on AIDS treatment by 2020 in your presidency? We're going to help everybody. We're going to help them a lot. Thank you, sir. Right. So not the typical bird dog experience. A lot of what we do when we bird dog is in calm town hall meetings where we ask polite questions, pointed questions, uh, and often a lot of questions, but um, not usually so uh, full contact and um, involved. So that was a truly unique experience. After this bird dogging experience, I make my way back east, just a little, not far. I go to Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, and visit with many, many wonderful chapters there who have a lot of exciting stuff going on. At these visits, we focus on meeting with elected officials. So we focus on how do we build relationships with staff, how do we build our story to deliver to them, and how do we deliver our ask, so what we want from the representative or senator. I won't get into all that too much because we are going to be releasing some recordings soon in preparation for AMSA Lobby Day that go through this process in more detail. So look out for those as they come down the pipeline. But we had a great time, some great visits. The chapter at Case Western had a great visit with their senator's office about the Fair Access to Science and Technology Research Act, or FASTER, which advocates for open access for publicly funded research. The group in Indiana at Marion University visited both of their senator's offices to advocate for a lift on the ban of federal funding for syringe exchange programs. That was went really well. We were able to visit both offices in one day. So there were some great opportunities. Great examples of physicians in training using their voices to make change. And that's really what it's all about. At the end of the day, when we see these social problems that continue to harm our patients, that make our medical interventions ineffective because they're really structural problems, they're social problems, our goal is to empower future physicians to use their voice to make those changes to the system that will help us achieve access to health, good quality of life, and wellness for all of our patients. That's why we are advocates. And no one is going to change medicine for us. We have to do that ourselves. Thank you so much for joining us today, Allison. As you can tell, your voice matters as a physician in training. So if you like what you hear, to get more involved, visit amsa.org advocacy or email AMSA's Education and Advocacy Fellow, Allison Case, at eaf at amsa.org. Also, if you'd like to do what Allison does full-time all year round, apply for our Education and Advocacy Fellowship position. The Education and Advocacy Fellowship is a one-year paid experience in programming and advocacy. To find out more, visit our website or contact Allison at eaf at amsa.org. If you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe to AMSA AdLib through iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And if you've enjoyed the show, please give us a rating in the iTunes store. AMSA AdLib is brought to you by the American Medical Student Association. 
I'm your host, Christine Camizio. Today's episode was produced by Pete Thompson, Allison Case, and myself, with help from Carol Clark. On behalf of Allison and the Amson National Office, we'd like to extend a special thanks to all of the AMSA chapters Allison met with on our Midwest travels, student global AIDS campaign activists and fellow bird doggers, Paul Davis, bird dogger extraordinaire, and everyone along the way that made this trip a great experience. Joshua Caulfield is the show's executive producer, and Dr. Deborah Hall is AMSA's national president. Let us know what topics you'd like to hear covered on AMSA AdLib. Email us at adlib at amsa.org. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and thank you for listening. AMSA Pre-Med Fest will not look, feel, or sound like any other pre-med conference, because it is not a conference. Join us in Plant City, Florida on January 30th and spend time with Patch Adams, our Master of Ceremonies, as he helps you discover the thrill of helping others. Early bird registration closes January 10th. For more information, visit amsapremedfest.org.